At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcast. This is Veasan Daily Morning Bets. Here is your host, Josh Applebaum. It is that time, Veasan Morning Daily Bets, as we run through the biggest games on the card for your Wednesday, December thirteenth. I'm Ben Wilson, in for Josh Applebaum on your Tuesday and Wednesday editions on this podcast feed. So. Uh, happy to have you joining us here as we get ready for a interesting Wednesday card. I'll use the word interesting. There's not a ton of huge marquee games, but we're going to do our best. I look to find some value. Take a look, uh, first and foremost, at one big marquee game in the NBA that is going to get a lot of the betting interest. And also where, also where some of the market is moving, always interesting to see. It might not be a super marquee game on the surface, but the betting market can always paint a different picture. If there is an edge, if there is a bet to be made, you will see it happen, and so that's why we want to break it down. Three games for you today. We'll go to the real true marquee game of the night, though. It is the rematch of the NBA in-season tournament semifinals. Uh, I, as someone, one of our hosts here at the network who lives in Las Vegas, I was at the game on Thursday as the Indiana Pacers knocked off the Milwaukee Bucks to go to the in-season tournament final. Technically speaking, Pacers come in on a four-game winning streak since that uh, in-season tournament final was a separate game, didn't count as part of the regular season standings. So the Pacers have won four straight, 13-8 and eight, against the 16-7 and seven Milwaukee Bucks. This is at the Pfizer Forum, though, in Milwaukee. Bucks have been really good at home, where they've won 10 straight, 11-1 at home overall. Bucks open six or six-and-a-half-point favorites. The shops that open six have been bet up. It's now Milwaukee six-and-a-half across the board. The bigger story, though, this is history. Once again, we had the highest total since at least 1995, potentially the highest total in NBA history, when the two teams met at the in-season tournament, that was 257. Game stayed under. Pacers winning 128-119. And we've somehow gone even higher. 258 and a half. That is not a misprint. That is the opening total. I've not seen any significant movement so far one way or, the, or another. But there were some shops that opened a little bit lower that immediately got bet up. So you are looking at the highest total in modern NBA history, outdoing what we just saw on a neutral court less than a week ago. Two matchups this year. And as someone who is from one of several people at the network who's from the state of Wisconsin, I've watched every Bucks game this season and I've watched the matchups really closely. I feel like I have a pretty good beat on what is turning into a really good rivalry in the central division of the Eastern Conference. Indiana, simply put, is a really difficult matchup for Milwaukee. Pacers have won the first two meetings, one by two at home in Indiana as a three and a half point home dog, had the nine point win at the in-season tournament 
as an underdog as well when that total still stayed under 257. First game the two teams met, by the way, was 239.5 on the total. So gives you an idea how much we've flipped uh, flipped higher on these totals in the month since that very first meeting. But paces are 2-0 and in the series against Milwaukee. Why is it such a difficult matchup? Because Milwaukee defensively, bottom third defensive unit in the league on an efficiency per possession basis, have really struggled defending opposing point guards and backcourt players in general all season, especially with a defensive liability in Damian Lillard on the floor for big chunks of minutes. That's the one thing Milwaukee knew when they got Lillard from Portland, they'd have to work around. Well, it's not a great matchup when Indiana has one of the best do-it-all backcourt players in the game right now. Tyrese Halliburton is on an absolute heater. He's a 100% de facto all-star right now. The guy has made a leap that even the most gung-ho Halliburton Pacer supporter would not have seen. In the two games against Milwaukee specifically, 56 points, 25 assists. Watching him in person, the way he leads the pace of Indiana, team that has the highest paced, most fast break points, most points per game in the entire league. It's all because of Halliburton and the way he drives that offense and the general flow of the game as a whole. Milwaukee just doesn't have the personnel right now to defend that. And this is a Milwaukee team that tries to go fast. Bucks are third in the league in points per game. They're fifth in overall pace. So two fast teams, two high-scoring teams. It's why the total is this high, 258.5. I personally will not be touching that total as much as I would say, all right, this is probably too high. And there were some there were some people who were brave enough to bet unders in that in-season tournament game who ended up winning. I will not be one of them. I would just take the points with Indiana. Catching six and a half. Injury reports are clean for both teams. Each played on Monday. Uh, Bucks narrowly survived. We're big favorites against the Chicago Bulls who were without Zach Levine. Bucks needed overtime to win that game. I still sense a, a lot of friction going on right now behind the scenes for the Milwaukee Bucks have clearly not looked like a team full of cohesion with a first-year head coach and Adrian Griffin. There are still a lot of things for the Bucks to sort out. The defensive numbers are really ugly, especially against teams like Indiana, who can push pace, who have quick trigger guards on the outside, who can get out and transition. Bucks just do not have the personnel right now to match that. It has been blatantly obvious if you watched either of the first two games and uh, seeing the in-season tournament game on Thursday was further evidence of that. This will be an outstanding matchup. It's not like Milwaukee is a slow-tempo team who can just sit on the ball and try to get Indiana out of their comfort zone. It's not really how Milwaukee is designed. So I, I don't see a ton of stylistic changes coming for the Bucks, even though they understand a huge weakness of theirs is slowing down Indiana in transition. So I'll take the points. Give me the Pacers plus six and a half against Milwaukee in our marquee game of the night. A couple other games I'll hit here quick while we're talking about historic things with that. Uh, Pacers Bucks total at 258 and a half. I still can't believe we're living in a world where we've got 258 and a half as a total. Uh, the Detroit Pistons have been historic for all the wrong reasons. 20 losses in a row after a two and one start to the year. Hosting the Philadelphia 76ers, Sixers 15 and 7. And I was really struggling to figure out okay, it's obvious Pacers Bucks is the best game on the card across all sports. What's number two? Uh, I don't know if there is a number two. It's kind of a, a light, uglier slate, but. I started to look at where the market is is going and where the odds boards are lighting up, and it is all on this game in the early morning hours East Coast time. Sixers open 10.5-point road favorites, already bet up to 11.5, and those 11.5s are juiced. I see some books at 12. I would not be shocked if this goes even higher. I don't know where the point of resistance comes on Detroit. It's probably at least another point and a half to two points. 
Totals also getting bet up from 232.5 to 235. Sixers not really a team getting talked about all that much right now, but have been incredibly efficient over the last 10 games. They've just been getting unlucky in the win-loss column. Six and four in the last 10 for a 15 and seven Sixers team. But last 10 games, number one in the NBA in net rating, second on offense, eighth on defense. And if there was any thought of, okay, maybe a letdown spot against a bad team, well, Philadelphia just had that against Washington Monday. They won the game by 45 points, 146 to 101. No significant injury issues for the Sixers either. Detroit, as you would expect, having lost 20 straight, worst often, uh, worst overall rating, uh, net rating in the league over the last 10 games. Uh, Sixers here are going to continue to get money. I'm not usually in the business of laying it with big favorites. I don't know what is going on with the Detroit Pistons and head coach Monty Williams and how this is just a team looking totally bereft of like any motivation, any desire to win basketball games this early in the year. But look at the first meeting between the two teams. That was November 10th, just over a month ago. Sixers were an eight-and-a-half-point favorite at home. I, sorry, they were an eight-and-a-half-point favorite on the road. That was in Detroit. Sixers won by eight, 114 to 106. So we're back in Detroit. This game opens 10-and-a-half. You really want to tell me a month later, Detroit has not won a game since they met Philadelphia for the first time at Little Caesars Arena in Detroit. Really telling me, power ratings-wise, you're only going to have Philadelphia two-point Higher favorite? I mean, come on. It's ridiculous. Again, not that laying huge numbers is my forte, but respected money is on the Sixers. It's also on the over, which I understand because Detroit has just been a a sieve in every regard, but especially on defense. Uh, This Sixer offense right now is clicking on all cylinders with the production they've gotten out of Tyrese Maxey in that backcourt all year, especially recently, just put up the 146 over Washington and second on offensive rating over the last 10 games. I agree with both of those moves. And if you're looking to follow where the smart money is coming, as much as it might be a kind of anathema to some people to go, all right, let's lay double digits with a road favorite in the NBA. That would be the side. So just wanted to point that out with all the market movement going on there. College hoops. It's sort of a blah time of the year because you have a lot of teams and schools going through finals week, winter breaks right now. So we had a, a whole lot of marquee matchups around that holiday Thanksgiving stretch and in the week or two coming out of it. This is now sort of the traditional lull in the college hoop season as teams gear up. Some teams have started conference play already. But one really interesting game I've noticed for the card tomorrow, Creighton, I should say for tonight, Creighton at 8-1, and one, sixth in the overall Ken Pomeroy efficiency ratings, gets a neutral site game against UNLV, who's been bad, UNLV 3-4, and four, 132 in the overall Ken Palm numbers. But interestingly enough, and I wonder if people might get tripped up by this, UNLV just played Loyola Marymount at the Dollar Loan Center in Henderson, Nevada. It's about maybe a 15, 20-minute drive away from the UNLV campus in Las Vegas. Ken Palm classified that game as a semi-home game, which makes sense. It's basically a home game for UNLV in their own city, just not at their actual arena, the Thomas and Mack Center. For whatever reason, this game, UNLV and Creighton, is being classified as a neutral for both teams, which is just flat-out wrong. This is definitely not a true neutral site venue, so... What's interesting is maybe because of that, and you know, Creighton has been a juggernaut all year, 12th in offensive rating, 8th on defense, 13th in three-point shooting, and they take more threes than almost anybody, 4th in three-point ratio this year. An incredibly explosive offense. And Creighton opened, though, 14.5-point favorites, and the market uh, has gone with the, the, the pseudo-home dog, the UNLV running Rebels, down to 13.5-point favorites are the Creighton Blue Jays. 
I would look at the total, though. 148, it's been bet up to 152. As much as I'm so, – I mean, look, you kind of have to be tempted by a team playing a pseudo-home game, catching almost two touchdowns, and a UNLV team you're basically buying at the bottom of the market, three and four so far. They lost a Southern at home to start the year, just lost to Loyola Marymount over the weekend, and have been absolutely dreadful on the defensive end outside the top 200 in defensive efficiency. As much as I want to buy low on UNLV, there's nothing statistically or eye test-wise to get me there against a Creighton team that very well could just name their score. So the better play to me, it's to look over. And you want to get on this quick before it continues to rise higher and higher. 148, the soft opener on the overnight markets with very low limits. Now all the way up to 152. There is one specific matchup that is terrible for UNLV. And it's the three-point defense. Rebels are 357 out of 362 Division I teams defending the three this year. And they're taking on a Creighton team. I just listed all the great shooting numbers. 13th in three-point shooting, 4th in three-point ratio on the season. So Creighton is going to be able to put up points in bunches. There is one edge I see, though, for UNLV, and it's when the Run Rebels have the ball. Creighton is not forced turnovers whatsoever. They actually force the least amount of turnovers in the country. But they get away with it because they're such a disciplined team that don't foul much. So if you're a team that relies on getting to the line and you rely on contested threes, or you, you know you rely on threes, Creighton can test those really well, and they also don't foul. So that's where things get really dicey for these opposing offenses against Creighton. UNLV's not really constructed that way. They take a lot of shots from the two-point range, and they're actually a really good two-point shooting team. They're top 50 in the country in that regard, not really a three-point shooting strength. They also don't get to the line at all, the running Rebels. They're one of the the worst teams in free throw ratio on the season. So as much as Creighton defensively can create some real havoc by a couple of specific matchups, by not for, by not fouling whatsoever and playing really uh, tight discipline, but not overzealous defense, that can get some teams out of their comfort zone. I actually think it, it will be okay for UNLV since their strength is just finding those, those quality two point looks in, in open spaces on the floor that might not be analytically sound, uh, not going to shoot a lot of threes, not going to drive hard and get free throws necessarily, but can still open up some space to have a little more offensive success. And that combination is why you're seeing a total now up to 152. So I like over in Creighton and UNLV over 152. Again, not the flashiest card in the world, not the biggest games you'll ever see, but hey, it's you know Wednesday, holiday season, coming up on Christmas. Uh, we hope that you can find some value from this podcast as well as some of the other shows we have on the network which we have a bunch of hardwood handicappers five days a week breaking down the NBA. If you want more NBA deep dives, we have Adam Burke's daily write-ups on college basketball at Beeson.com. Greg Peterson's coast-to-coast college hoops podcast every single day. Check those out if you want more insight. Other games to bet as well, but these are the three we've identified as having some good value for the card on Wednesday. Josh Applebaum returns. He's back with you tomorrow morning to break down Thursday night football. We'll have Josh back with you then. Best of luck with all your bets on this Wednesday in the sports betting world. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, 
Call 1-800-GAMBLER. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.